Thanks for joining us as we start the first episode of Ones Aren't Fun. It's me, Liv Layton, the Dungeon Master. I'm joined by my wife, Yena. We'll be putting a unique twist at the start of this campaign, with Yena here portraying four different characters who will find their way down a briefly merged path, only to end up separated, with Yena effectively deciding which character will become the first member of our crew. I hope everyone is ready to dive headfirst into the Sea of Schemes, and for our adventure to begin. Alright, so before we get started, I just want to give a quick apology for the change in audio quality. We're still getting set up with our um, mics and everything, so for the next couple of sessions slash episodes, everything is going to be um, a little lower quality until we get fully set up, and then the quality will improve, so thanks for bearing with us. As I said, I'm here with my lovely wife, Yena, who has made four characters. Go ahead and say hello, babe. Hi. Alrighty. So, her four characters are Captain Otar Havelock, a human barbarian, Samuel, a human warlock, Seidel, a human monk, and finally, Marina, a water genasi druid. These four have been out at sea for a number of months to years um, in the boundaries of the Eastern Sea. Eastern Sea, also known as the Sea of Schemes. Uh, three of our strangers have found their own passage on a smallish cruise liner headed to Valken Isle, the isle which can only be described as the most ordinary port city um, with a single large spire at the center of this small town known as Valken. Um, its port uh, which is almost always uh, bustling with ships coming in or headed out at nearly all hours of the day and night, um, is norm normally has a kind of a bare-bones skeleton crew uh, working as local dock workers, um, but has a mix of marine dock workers as well as marine guards um, who live and train at the massive spire in the city center, known as the Argent Tower. Captain Otar Hadlock, on the other hand, uh, was sent a message from a friend of his father's, um, uh, Fleet Commander Iron Fist Havelock, uh, to meet her on the aisle in regards to his own research for a certain rumored piece of fruit. Marina, Saido, and Samuel were the first to arrive on the aisle in the evening and found lodging at the local Smythe Family Inn. Uh, it is here that the trio met Monet Smythe, uh, also known around the town as the Lioness, though the trio are not fully aware of why she's known as this. It's just kind of like a nickname she has. Um, she is a bit shy, fair of skin, and has red hair. Uh, she wears a silken-type um, robe wrap-type um, garment, that is uh, embellished with golden um, patterns along the edges and has kind of a soft golden pattern uh, on the body of it. Um, for Saido himself, it was a, a, an amazing night's sleep, having grown up in a monastery his entire life, uh, and the beds even being slightly comfortable is amazingly different from, you know, sleeping on a bedroll his entire life. Uh, and for Marina, while she was able to get some sleep, she was plagued with worrisome dreams of her sister, um, who 
is the entire reason for her being out at sea in the first place. Um, and lastly, Samuel's dream uh, took him to the depths of his mind uh, and to the depths of the sea within them as a gruff voice was to be his only companion. Uh, the words of that disembodied voice linger within his mind. Find the wire. Gain power. Get the treasure of treasures. The next morning after what has become a normal night of sleep, uh, Samuel was rested enough to continue his search uh, for a wire of sorts that he couldn't really explain a need to find simply. He's just following the, the guidance of this voice. Um, unknown to the trio, the same morning, Captain Otar Havelock, um, also known as Havelock to most people, was docking his small sailing vessel in the singular port of Velkin, um, giving a hearty handshake to Dock Master Harris, who waived Havelock's uh, docking fee as he no doubt assumes that his father uh, will be repaying this for the more um, unusual trade that uh, Harris has dealt with his father um, on many occasions dealing with. And this is actually where we're going to begin. But to kind of make everything easier for everyone, even though it is just me and you here, uh, we're still going to go ahead and do uh, a small initiative roll just to place everyone um, in, a, in a speaking order so we can kind of track the story a little bit better. And for everyone listening, when we make a roll, I'm going to have the crew members uh, state the rolled value and the modifier and then say the total so that way everyone knows where the numbers are coming from. So go ahead and give me a roll for Marina. Okay. Uh, 15 plus 1 initiative, so 16. Okay. Alrighty. And gonna... next, go ahead and give me a roll for, uh, Saito. Okay, Saito. That's 16 plus 4, so 20. Okay. And next up, go ahead and give me a roll for Samuel. Okay. Uh, that's 17 plus 3, 20. Alrighty, so uh, Saito and Samuel are sharing an initiative. And uh, the way we're going to solve that one for everyone listening is whichever character has a uh, higher base value for their stats. So not the modifier, just the... the number itself. Okay, for the initiative? For the initiative. So, uh, so... Saito's plus four, and Samuel's plus three. Oh, so the other number. Um, whatever number is the, um... I don't know, the, the score itself. The physical score. Okay. Saito rolled a 16, and Samuel... No, the number... The oh, ability dex... score, yeah. Okay. Uh, dexterity, uh... So for everyone listening, what we're going to do is we're going to use the uh, total ability score, not the modifier, to determine who will go first in moments of 
um, having identical numbers. So what is Saito's ability score for dexterity? Okay, his is 18. Okay, and then what is Samuel's? Samuel's is 16. Alrighty, so it'll be Saito goes first, and then Samuel. Um, and go ahead and give me a roll for Otar. <laughs> Five minus one. Okay. Four. So Otar is definitely going last. Um, and Marina will be going third. Alrighty, let me just go ahead and write that down real quick. Alrighty, so, um, we'll go ahead and start with Otar since he's just arrived at the docks and spoken with Dock Master Harris. Um, go ahead and tell me what Otar looks like. Okay, so he's a, uh, a burly, burly man, um, darker skinned with, um, a scar over his eye, um, he he wears furs, um, so a jacket with the furs lining the uh, the hood and the the wrists, um, with black hair, kind of spiky, and it, it goes down to his shoulders a good way, um, and just kind of a a grim looking fellow. All right, alrighty, so. Otar has arrived in the docks, and um, his being the type of, of person that he is, he doesn't necessarily have a um, a recognized um, flag above his ship. And so the Marines uh, in the general area have kind of taken notice of him. None have stepped up to him. He is a gruff-looking fellow, as you said. So they do, um, they do have uh, their eyes on him, but they aren't approaching. He hasn't done anything wrong. Um... And because he spoke with the, the dock master, they have no reason to think that he's done anything wrong. Um, and so I would assume he starts heading into town? Yes. So as Otar heads into town, we're going to hop on over to uh, Saito, Samuel, and Marina, who are all um, essentially have woken up, have gotten the day together. So what is Saito's morning like? What does Saito do as he wakes up? So, Saito, being from the monastery, he he wakes up and he he likes to uh, meditate to get himself into the mindset of you know calm and collected and bringing about the day and and then after that he likes to go through like a a, a quick routine of punching and kicking and you know, push-ups and sit-ups, things just kind of getting his, his body used to physical activity. Okay, and uh, what about for Samuel as he wakes up, that kind of, that lingering voice, you know, the, the treasure of treasures is kind of still in his voice uh, guiding him. Um, from From the story that we've made together, He's had that voice with him um, since a certain event happened, and, and what was that event? So, uh, he used to be a Marine, 
Um, and he was very, uh, you know, heroic and kind of wanting to bring down the bad guys. And one day, you know, he was fighting against some pirates and uh, he needed help. And so he called for the for backup from other Marines and he he didn't quite get it. And that kind of, you know, shook shook him a bit, especially since the Marines were nearby, um, and they easily could have helped. Um, his ship sunk, he was thrown overboard, um, and as he was, you know, fading into the darkness, um, as he sunk deeper and deeper, um, this voice called out to him, this, uh, kind of scary voice, and it told him that you know, it could give him power that, you know, the Marines couldn't give him. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. All right. And so, uh, what is his morning kind of, what's his morning ritual that he goes through? Um, he, he remembers the, the terrified, terrifyingness of sinking into the, the cold depths and, you know, that kind of reignites the fire in him. And he thinks about, you know, this is why I'm still here, that kind of thing. And he thinks about, you know, why why am I still living, you know? Why, okay. why did I take, you know, why did I take the deal? All right, so he's very, like, kind of, like, goal-driven person. Right. Um... And so I assume as he, he would, like, walk downstairs and, like, get a, a simple breakfast that the inn has. Um, and what about Marina? Marina, you know, had kind of some not so, not terrible dreams, not nightmares by any means, but um, for the most part, they were more uh, lingering memories of her and her sister um, to, you know, she has her past, um, which... For everyone listening, I'm sure we'll get to that if the funnel session is uh, beneficial to Marina, but we'll keep some of the details of these characters um, hidden away in case something unlikely, you know, to be to be helpful to them happens. So, um, what is Marina's uh, um, morning ritual? Uh, so, Marina just kind of. She's a happy-go-lucky kind of a girl. Um, she always wants to find something new to to look at and and new people to meet. I mean, that's why she's traveling. Um, she wants to just see everything. Um, so she just kind of recounts what happens the day before and and tries to think about the the good things that could possibly come from from today all right all right and um so as the three uh exit their rooms and descend downstairs they're greeted um by the quiet you know um young young uh monet as she's kind of uh walking out setting up uh tables putting out new flowers for the day um Unless she looks up, she uh, she sees uh, 
Saito, the first one to, you know, as he's an early riser from the monastery. And uh, who does Monet see? What does he look like? What does Saito look like? So he's a he's a thin, um, kind of lanky. I would I would call him a boy, though he's um, on the verge of adulthood, of manhood. Um, he has uh, blackish hair. Um, it's it's trimmed pretty nicely. Um, nothing really too astounding about him. He does have a scar across a cheek. Um, he he looks fit, but not muscular. Not not bulky in any way. Nothing too threatening about him. Alrighty, so uh, the young younger. Monet, probably about the same age, kind of uh, sees him and, and remembers how nice he was and how courteous he was whenever he first came in. She gives him a smile and, and waves him on over to a, a table she's just finished setting up. And and uh, as as they intersect, she, she asks him, um, well, would you like any breakfast? I, he just woke up. It, would, it wouldn't be too much work. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, anything you can scrounge up, really. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll get that uh, set up for you. Just go ahead and, and take a seat, and I'll be back with, uh, uh, is, is water okay? Yes, water's fine. Okay, yeah, I'll be right back with that. And so uh, she wanders away, and as she's wandering away, Marina um, is the next one to come down, and uh, she glances up to give Marina a wave, and who is she waving to? What does Marina look like? So Marina is a water genasi, so she kind of has a, kind of a, blue aquamarine kind of skin color with a kind of greenish uh, teal hair, um, long, but she kind of, she likes to keep it in a pony, um, and just bright glittering eyes. Um, she likes to wear some jewelry, um, especially the, uh, sea stone uh, necklace that her sister made her. Her village is um, known for making um, sea stone jewelry. Um, so she carries that everywhere she goes. Um, she's almost a little bit gypsy-like in her movements and her decor, so. Okay. Um... So, uh, so as the, the three kind of enjoy breakfast, um, uh, Monet makes her way and, um, brings Saito some food and she stops by Marina's, uh, table, uh, and gives her the same offer and I assume she assumes and... Uh, Samuel is the one who comes down next after, uh, probably waking up the latest, um, due to his kind of, like, lackluster night's sleep. And, uh, who does, uh, what type of man does she see as, as Samuel comes down? So, she sees kind of, a a man that just entered manhood. Um, he seems kind of, you know gruff and he has blonde hair, kind of sunken eyes, a little bit haunted. 
Um, he goes over to another table, doesn't seem to want to, you know, fit in with the rest of the crew. Um, I mean, he's gonna, he's polite enough, but just kind of, he's not really outspoken. Okay. So, um, the three share, you know, have their meal in, in relative silence with the exception of every few minutes, uh, another patron of the inn comes down, grabs a drink or maybe a small snack for the day, and then heads out or heads on their way. Um, the, uh, the three, uh, all have a reason for being here. Samuel's being the one guided through, uh, some kind of, uh, otherworldly, uh, being directing him while Marina and Samuel have been, um, kind of on the trail looking for a particular, um, item, uh, um, that is thought to be rumored and not, doesn't really exist, um, in a lot of people's eyes, uh, for Saito, it's, it's an item that is completely legendary for him. He's grew up in a monastery. He grew up on an Island and that was his life. He, he, he has only now left the Island for his own reasons. Marina, on the other hand, uh, being the water genasi descendant from, uh, these wondrous water elementals, um, has a belief in these uh, items, these devil fruits, as they're known by most, um, that they are evil. I mean, the name gives it away itself, devil fruit. Uh, and so uh, she is, without a, without a doubt, I would assume, uh, conflicted about wanting to find a particular devil fruit for her reasons, but it is going against everything that she is, um, especially with the connection that she has to nature uh, and everything like that. Um, but the, the, the two do have a shared goal, which is to um, find a person known as the Wire, um, who is typically uh, located in a local tea shop during the day, um, known as the Sedated Sloth. Um, Samuel, for his part, is more guided by, you know, the, the air and the motion and, and this being that um, lurks not only within the depths of his mind, but in the depths of the sea. Uh, and he has uh, a feeling that somewhere within the town is going to be where he's going to find this wire that he's looking for. Um, Havelock, on the other hand, um, he he knows where he's going. He's going to go meet the um, the connection of, of his family's, uh, you know, industry, um, Talia, who is uh, also known as The Wire. And, you know, he's making his way there uh, very easily. Um, so we're going to go ahead and move forward in time a little bit. They've left and Saito and Marina 
and uh, have left the the Smythe family in and are headed towards the uh, sedated sloth um, while Samuel has exited the inn and is kind of wandering around town waiting for some kind of of vibe that he's looking for with uh, uh, Havelock having already reached the sedated sloth he's kind of in a back um, table uh, sitting alone enjoying a cup of tea Um, so Samuel go ahead and let's have him roll an an insight check to kind of see if he can feel the the message that his um, otherworldly patron is sending him. Okay, um, that's an 18 plus 1, 19. Alrighty, so yeah, easily enough, he kind of, uh, as he walks around the, the city, he feels um, almost guided to the sedated sloth, but... Um, for him, it's it's as he makes a left or a right, or as he veers towards one direction, the smell of um, salt water increases more than you know the typical island air salt water would smell like, and he kind of takes that as his heading, um, and eventually uh, he finds his way to the sedated sloth. It being a typical. Um, uh, Did you already swallow it? Dang, dude. It's a part of the lion. So the sedated sloth is a typical wood building, um, unassuming, ordinary port city, um, while uh, the outside has a sign hanger uh, of a kind of lazy um, sloth hanging from um, hanging from its arms off of the side hanger acting as a branch with the body saying the sedated sloth. Um, and he goes, goes ahead and opens the door. Inside, he kind of glances around and he sees three individuals. Two of the individuals are sitting at a, uh, a bar type area waiting as the um, purveyor of the shop is behind the counter with a small... Um, teapot and is adding tea leaves to a diffuser so she can make some tea for them. Um, What Samuel sees as he enters is a uh, a kind of a a youngish looking woman, definitely an adult but not like older in in her middle ages, definitely in her early 20s. Um, She has heart-shaped glasses. Her hair is pink in the front with um, some short bangs and then um, longer bangs framing her face. She has kind of sleepy eyes and a soft smile. She kind of busies herself um, every once in a while uh, wandering to one side of the counter to um, to grab a a rolled up piece of, of something that is lit at the end and takes an inhale, puts it down, and waters back to as to her water, making sure that it hasn't overboiled. And um, as she uh, takes her inhale, uh, she kind of turns and glances at the door, and she 
sees Samuel. She gets a, a bit of a wider, lazy smile across her face, and she says, Oh, welcome. Welcome. Thanks for coming to the sedated sloth. Um, what, what can I get for you, hon? Uh, uh, tea, I guess? That's my specialty here. Uh, do you know what kind of tea you're looking for? Or do you just want me to, uh, to mix you up something good? Yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever you have. <laughs> okay, alright. Uh, go ahead and take a seat next to, uh, uh, Saito here. He's... He's trying out a home home blend himself. And so she kind of points to the young man um, in the uh, kind of really common looking um, monk robes that you would expect a monk to wear, um, especially someone who's lived their entire life at, the, at a monastery. And he, um, he kind of looks up and gives a wave and goes back and is waiting. Um, Samuel will take the seat one more. Okay. Down All right. from him. Alrighty. So, uh, so she goes ahead and pulls out another glass and sets it with the other three, um, waiting for the tea to come, waiting for the water to come to its right temperature. Um, and everything seems to like kind of go quiet. Everyone is having a moment to themselves and uh what does what is marina's um what is marina gonna do in this kind of moment of awkward ish silence um marina is gonna start to tell a story of an adventure she had with her sister Okay, uh, so does she just kind of like, does she turn to anyone in particular, or is she just going to start talking? She's going to start talking to um, the bartender. Okay, so so what does she say to get the bartender's attention? She's going to say, oh my gosh, this tea reminds me of a time when me and my sister, we went out into this field, and there were these flowers and they I love flowers. Yeah, They're I know. Really cool. And this tea, oh my gosh, the smell reminds me of the flowers. And oh my gosh, we went and we got chased by so many bees. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Yeah, we 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 had to pick. We were picking flowers for our mom. It was her birthday. Oh, that's wonderful. And I think we picked like. 15 different colors of flowers. Oh my gosh, that's a lot of flowers. I know, isn't it? Yeah. That's like one of the most beautiful orchards we, or, you know, meadows we've ever seen. That's very cool. That's very cool. Yeah, I'm sure you would have found a lot of, um, you know, things to put in your tea here. That would be really cool to be able to do that. I'm just lucky if I get some, some stuff off the ships. Uh, but we have some, some groves here that, you know, are, are special to me. Yeah? Yeah. That's cool. So as you guys have this little interaction, um, the door opens and, uh, all four of you see a red-skinned, black-horned, golden eyes with pupilless golden eyes, uh, tiefling. She wears a, a, a... Nice button-down shirt, black slacks, um, 
and she uh, she kind of looks around and stops on Samuel for a bit, questioning the appearance of, of him in general, um, but waves him off and uh, kind of uh, looks at at uh, the the purveyor and, and she looks up and she goes, Hey Lex, uh, go ahead and give me my usual and I'm gonna be at my table over here with uh, the kid. And she turns and walks with her tail kind of swinging back and forth. Um, Otar sees her coming and kind of lazily raises his hand and kind of nods to her. And uh, she goes, and as she's walking, she stops and she goes, if any of you guys are looking for a uh, a wire, come on over to the table too. And she proceeds to sit down uh, at the table. Otar, um, of course, sitting on the outside of the table, but not in a in the corner table where uh, clearly she it's her seat. She 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 knows exactly that that's where she's gonna be sitting, and so she takes a seat. Uh, back to the corner, uh, facing out into the, into the area. Um, what do Saito, Marina, and Samuel do? What does, uh, Saito do? Saito gives a kind of a confused look to Marina, and since he's kind of gotten to know her over this, these last couple days on the, the boat, and, uh, kind of gets up and slowly walks over. And Maronite, well, she jumps right up and kind of, you know, dances her way over. Alrighty, and what about Samuel? Samuel kind of stays there for a while and thinks about it. He's not too sure about all these new, new people. He'd have preferred it just be him, but eventually he gets up and he doesn't take a seat at the table, but he he scoots his chair a little closer. Okay. Um. So, as as everyone kind of takes their place, uh, again the wire, uh. The young tiefling, um, kind of again, raises an eyebrow at Samuel, but understands his apprehension, as she too kind of isn't sure why he's here, um, and she uh, kind of leans forward over her over the table, and she goes, "Now I'm sure you're all here for the same reason." You're looking for one of them uh, devil fruits, right? And she kind of gives a pause and lets everyone look at, look around the table, look around the room for Samuel. And uh, they all give a nod, um, kind of expecting to continue the, the conversation. But we will continue that conversation after we take a quick break. And uh, we'll be right back.
Hey, it's your Dungeon Master, Liv. Just wanted to pop in during this quick break to let you guys know that we release episodes every other week, and you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and several other podcast streaming services. Just look us up at Ones Aren't Fun, and then subscribe. Be sure to leave a like, maybe leave a review, or tell a friend, as it really helps us out here in the beginning. And don't forget, follow us on all the social medias like Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Thanks for listening. And now let's get back to the crew and their adventures. All right, and welcome back. So we, where we left off before was Saito, Samuel, Marina, and Otar had all kind of agreed to hear out um, the wire and get the information. Um, and uh, with that said, she continues as she's like over the over the counter and she or over the table and she kind of goes, I made the call to all of you. I wasn't sure who was going to be able to help out, so knowing what I know, you guys are the ones who came and wanting and want the information. I assume because all of you are looking to get a devil fruit for whatever your reasoning may be. But with that said, my information doesn't come free, no matter who you are. As she kind of like eyes uh, Otar expecting him to say something snarky um, about his lineage and she kind of gives a pause and she looks and she goes, so anyway, something was taken from me and I need you all to get it back. Unfortunately, there's no way I can guarantee you will come back at all. You see, the people that you're going to be encountering have a habit of making sure that anyone who comes looking for them, if they're found, can't go out looking for anyone else, if you understand my meaning. She kind of gives you guys a second to take in the meaning of this is something that could lead to your death. Um, and as she's... She, after that moment, she continues and she says, All right. You all know how serious this is, but you're looking at a fortune if you can get a devil fruit, if you plan to sell it. If you plan to eat it, I would assume <laughs> you are going to take this deal anyway. Here on Velkin, I am protected. I am helpful to the Marines. As you know, Otar, information is information. People use it for whatever they want to use it for. I'm sure your father understands that. There are some people who don't and believe my information gathering skills and technology, well, it should only be used for certain purposes. The group that has it lives outside of the village boundaries in the foothills. They're bandits. 
but because they stay outside of the city for the most part, the Marines don't give them any grief. And because what was stolen is unique. I can't go to the Marines to have them get it or else I won't get it back. So here's the deal. If you head out there to get the item, you'll know it when you see it, believe you me. I will give you the information to whomever comes back. Do we have a deal? And she looks at everyone and expectingly. What does Saito, how, how does Saito respond? Kind of gulps and steadies his nerves and yeah, yeah, we got a deal. Okay, and what about Samuel? He just, yep. Okay, and Marina? Yeah, I can do it. Okay, and Havelock. Just grins. You know me. I'll get it for you. All right. So, at this point, um, Lex, as you know, she called her out to be, um, comes over with a pot of tea and a cup. Uh, as you see, the cup itself is completely black. It's unique to everyone else's cup. Um, and she places it in front of uh, the wire and she kind of goes, I really wish you would stop sending my patrons to die whenever stuff like this happens. And the wire kind of looks at her and she goes, Lex, sweetie, they'll come back this time. I'm pretty sure. Havelock's here. I mean, come on. And Lex looks at Havelock and kind of gives you a up and down look and she goes, okay. Uh. And even though she's, you can see that she's visibly upset, the smile like never leaves her face. Um, but it kind of like fades a little bit and she goes, good luck you four. Talia's games aren't something to mess with. Um, Havelock, go ahead and give me a history check. Seven plus one, eight. All right, so um, your father, uh, Fleet Commander Iron Fist Havelock, deals with less reputable people on a regular basis. Since you were a kid, your entire life you've been at sea, you have traveled with your father, you are a member of his crew at this point. Um, and because of this, uh, you know that on certain islands that are larger, that have foothills, mountainous areas, there are what is known as mountain bandits. You're not sure who Talia is talking about because you haven't really dealt with the mountain bandits um, directly, but you know that your father has kind of veered away from the Velkin mountain bandits, um, even though that's not their like moniker, that's kind of how you recognize them to be. So there's this kind of pit in your stomach where you're kind of like, all right, this is, 
you know, you're, you're, you're a little nervous about it. Um, simply because you don't know the enemy you're going up against. Um, and you understand that the three others have no reason to be concerned because they have no idea what they're going up against, but you know the potential danger that, that you guys are all in. Um, and so you guys, you know, everyone uh, stands up and uh, what does, let's, let's go see. And so what does Saito do as he kind of looks around and sees everyone getting ready to leave? Sorry, I keep using the NPC voice. It's hard to get out of it once I get into that one. <laughs> um, Saito's gonna... He's gonna ask everyone, so... How, how do we want to uh, uh, do this? Are we, are we gonna travel as a group and, and uh, do this together? Okay, and, and what about Samuel? How does how does he react to that question? Samuel just kind of, you guys do whatever you want to do. I'm going to get that fruit. There's nothing to stop me. You guys can tag along if you want. Just don't get in my way. And he just heads out the door. Okay, and what about Marina? Marina. She says, well, I, I don't see any reason for us to not work together. I mean, we can always fight over it ourselves in the end. <laughs> All right, and what about Otar? She says, well, <clears throat> I'm better than my father, and he hasn't messed with these bandits, so... Uh, I mean, I don't think I'll have any trouble with them, but you guys can come along and, I don't know, cannon fodder or something, I guess. But sure, do whatever you want. All right, so the three of them leave in their group, and Samuel, having a bit of a head start, we'll, we'll go ahead and start with him. Um, so Samuel goes ahead and heads out of the... Um, of the entrance, not really knowing where out where they're located. So go ahead and uh, give me an insight check to kind of see if your patron is gonna guide you a little bit. 11 plus one, 12. So as you head out, um, you take a, take a breath in and uh, you, the door is facing towards the east and to the east and to the north, you kind of, you smell and you can sense that there is some, a strong, a strong smell of salt water in that direction. But to the west, um, as you smell behind you, it's completely blocked off. The tea is overwhelming. And to the south, uh, there's no smell really like that is noticeable, that is noticeably different as you're used to. Um, but it does seem to be like the south is, is the way out of town, directly out of town, not necessarily like there are walls encompassing the, the city and all that. It's just that is a visible exit to the outside of town. Is if you look to the north, there's the sea. I mean, the, the port is that way. Um, 
So which way does Samuel decide to head? Um, he's gonna start headed out of town, but he's gonna look for a marine or Somebody who looks knowledgeable and kind of stop them on the way and ask about bandits. Go ahead and give a perception check. Nineteen plus one, dirty twenty. Awesome. So easily enough, he actually comes across um, as he's reaching the outside um, a pair of marines who are kind of on patrol on the outside um, of the city, uh, and uh, he turns to them and. I assume he asks, you know, have you heard anything about bandits? And so the first Marine, he's kind of like, oh, well, um, yeah, the city, every once in a while, you know, the city has has some bandit problems. Um, we think their base is, is uh, somewhere out in the foothills, uh, directly south of here. Um, but honestly, we don't know where it is. Um, it would... Probably be some kind of criminal who uh, who would know that you know some maybe like a pirate or something, but we couldn't tell you. We they mind their own business normally, you know, only taking on the travelers who try and get to the other village on the other side of uh, of the island where the smaller contingency is. And uh, so yeah, that's that's the information that you get. All right. <clears throat> So what does Saito do? Um, so he'll go ahead and head towards that smaller contingency and kind of pretend like he's a... Well, it's like on the other... The smaller contingency is at the other village. Like, it's on the other side of the island. Okay. Um... Yeah, so basically what, what they're talking about is he would have to cross the entire island. Like, as he's looking out, he sees there's essentially a highway path that connects the two. And on either side, there are foothills. So to the north or to the east and west, um, there are foothills that kind of separate out this, that come to, to make a valley. And that valley connects the two villages. One, Valken, and on the other side, they didn't give you a name, but it's the other Valken Isle village. That is smaller, um, and uh, there's just a smaller contingency of Marines over there. Uh, it would probably take you, like, two days to walk that distance um, if you were to head out that way. Like, it's not an exceedingly large island, but walking it at a normal pace will take, you know, a while. Um, well, now that he's out here, he's going to gonna try to ask for guidance from his, his friend again. Alright, so he goes ahead and closes his eyes and takes a deep inhale. Go ahead and give me a uh, an insight check to see if he can... Nat 20? Yeah, def- easily enough he, uh, he takes this deep breath in and even even as he's like kind of sensing uh, suddenly there are two distinct smells. There is nothing complete and total nothing um, to the uh, west, as if, like, 
it is unimportant. Even in his like mind, the West is worthless. But to the East, not only is there a smell of like the sea and um, and things like that, but earth and mountains and uh, dampness that is kind of like pulling him to that direction. All right, he'll head that way. Alrighty, so as he starts headed out that way, Otar, Marina, and Saido uh, have, you know, exit the sedated sloth and have kind of grouped together. Otar doesn't know the exact location, but he is skilled enough to know that it is better to um, go to a place where the setting sun is, as it's easily, you know. A, an easy direction to figure out if you're you're dealing with bandits, you know, head to the setting sun. Something that sounds innocuous, but ne- not necessarily is giving actual directions. So, um, I would assume that he starts guiding him directly to where he can only assume that the, the group is. Yes. All right, so uh, the two for lack of a better word, groups begin to head out to the wet, to the southwest portion of the island. Um, the The trip takes the better part of the day, and uh, I would assume Marina at some point starts kind of just talking. <laughs> um, so what does Marina talk with Otar and Saito about? Um... She's just going to start talking about her village. Um, like what? What do you mean? And how... Tell us about it. <laughs> Tell us about it, Marina. Well, I come from a small village, and, well, as water genasi, we can breathe underwater, and we have this, this stuff called sea stone that's really abundant right underneath our village, and so... Our village, we we mine this stuff, and then we make this really pretty jewelry out of it. See, look, and then she holds up um, the necklace around her um, her neck and says, "This is the first jewelry that my little sister made me," and it shows um, a crudely carved seashell out of this sea stone. And she says, "Yeah, so." I left my little sister back in the village. She, uh, she couldn't quite make the journey, but we promised that we would go and journey around the world together. And so... And so how does Otar and Saito deal with, you know, Marina's talking? So, so Saito listens politely and nods and puts in a, you know, a, oh, that's nice, and... Oh, okay. You know, every now and then, just to show that he's kind of listening, and Otar just kind of grunts. We should we should stay quiet. We don't know when we're gonna meet the bandits. Or, you know, we should conserve our energy. <laughs> All right, and so as the uh, as this encounter you know goes about. Um, Go ahead and have, uh, I would assume, Otar, because he's trying to actively uh, not be a part of this conversation. He's probably the one on watch. So go ahead and have Otar give me a perception check. 
14 plus 3, 17. Awesome. So, yeah, as you guys are walking, um, you guys at, at a certain point started catching up to um, Samuel, who's about 100 feet up ahead of you, and you see him up there. Um, and Otar recognizes him. You know, he's not really going to give him any any issues, but um, off slightly more to the north, um, he sees uh, some kind of crudely built um, cabins uh, off to the side, and um, go ahead and give me a perception check from Samuel to see if he sees them as well. Twelve plus one, thirteen. Yeah, easily enough, he kind of, like, as he's as he's been walking for a while, he, that, that scent of earth and water kind of is drawing him over to them. He doesn't want to get too close to the, to the, to the cabins themselves, but he does recognize that this could be the area that he's looking for. Um, and he kind of, he halts and he looks behind him, and, uh, due to the fact that your guys aren't trying to be secretive and... Marina has been talking for a while. He's already, you know, taken notice of you guys, and he kind of, like, puts his hand out, and, you know, he's, like, trying to signal for everyone to stop. Um, what does Otar do as he sees that signal? Otar sees it, and he's gonna, he's gonna turn around, and he's gonna put a big, big hand over Marina's mouth and just kind of shove her and Saito into the biggest, you know, thicket or uh, okay, yeah, easily, something yeah. he can just kind of... To hide everyone. Hide everyone. Alrighty, so as he does that, um, uh, what does Samuel do as he sees them kind of, like, get off to the side? Uh, so Samuel's gonna, you know, nod to Otar, like, mm-hmm. alright, good. Um... Then Samuel himself is gonna kind of go into stealth mode and try to. All right, so go ahead and give me a stealth check for Samuel. Nineteen plus three. All right. 22. So he feels pretty confident that he's, you know, being really stealthy and secretive. Um, where's he headed? What's what's he? What's his plan here? So he's gonna try to, you know, go along. Um, and try to get up to the first cabinet, uh, cabin, mm-hmm. and are there any windows or anything like that? Yeah, there's a couple, like, crudely built windows with some, like, some glass frames or glass pieces inside of them. Um, just gonna try to peer in. Go ahead and give me a perception check. 16 plus 1, 17. So, yeah, easily enough, he, like, kind of, he, he, as he sneaks on by, he kind of, like, slides his back across the, the cabin wall, and he peers over, over his shoulder, trying to look in, and inside he sees, um, about four individuals, these are kind of gruff, t- uh, gruff and tough looking guys, definitely bandits of some sort, and they all seem to be discussing something, um, and in the center of the uh, room where they're in, uh, there is an open hatch that's kind of leading downstairs. Uh, and 
and um, I mean, Saito can't see what's what's down there, but he you know understands the premise of like a uh, um, a secret chamber type type deal. Um, so what? That's what he sees. All right, he's gonna. Um, how far is Otar away from Saito or um, Samuel? Mm, he's about a hundred feet away, so it'd take him just a couple of seconds to walk over there. Okay. Um, even if he was being stealthy. All right, Samuel's gonna gonna try to hold up, gonna hold up four fingers and point to the cabin. Okay, go ahead and give a perception check for Otar to see if he sees that. Fourteen plus three, seventeen. Yeah, so easily enough, Otar is kind of like he's been waiting for the signal. Um, and go ahead and give me a uh, a history check as well for uh, Otar. Nineteen plus one, twenty. All right. So as as he kind of takes notice, the f- first thing that he notices is that Samuel's hand motions are distinctly marine-based. They are, he is a criminal. Otar is a criminal. He's a pirate. He has seen marines try and be sneaky. He has seen them giving signals to each other. He knows that the the signal that he just held up is marine training um, and that Samuel is either a spy for the marines or a ex-marine or is a marine or has something to do with the marines pretty instantly. But... They all seem to be um, on a, on a, you know, he seems to be focused on getting the, whatever item is that Talia needs. Um, so what does Otar do um, as he's getting the signal? Um, Otar's gonna, gonna give a thumbs up. And he's gonna turn around and he's gonna place two big hands on the shoulders of the other two. And he's gonna go. All right, you two. This isn't kitty time anymore. There's at least four bandits in there. All right? It's a good number. That's one for each of us. Don't muck it up. How does Samuel respond to that? Um, so Samuel can't hear them. Um, he's over at the building. Or not Samuel, um, Saito. How does Saito respond to that? Saito kind of puffs his chest up and goes, Oh, don't you worry. I won't mess this up. I could take on three of them if I wanted to. Okay, and how does uh, Marina deal with it? Marina says, Well, I'm tougher than I look, so watch out. All right, uh, so the... The three of them, I assume, start heading over. So, Otar turns back, and he kind of signals, like, points to himself, and then does a little walking motion, and then does a little kind of shrugs his shoulders. Okay, and, and what does and Samuel respond? Samuel, Samuel does the, the weight motion, and he's going to go over to the other cab, cabins. And check them out too. Okay, so go ahead and 
Um, we'll go ahead and maintain that stealth roll since no one's noticed you. And um, as he kind of looks around, he sees that there are a total of three cabins altogether. Um, go ahead and we'll just do a perception check for each one as he kind of sneaks around. Okay. Thirteen plus one, fourteen. Alrighty, so on that first one, he kind of looks in and it's empty. There's, I mean, you know, as for from what he can tell, it's empty. Okay. So he kind of holds up a zero, a fist. Okay. Okay, then ten plus one, eleven. Alrighty, and in the next one, yeah, he's same thing. It's it's empty. Holds up another fist. Alrighty. So, uh, so what happened next? So then he. Uh, he goes back to the the first one. He's gonna position himself um, by. He's gonna position himself by the door. Okay. Um. And he'll he'll do the the come motion. Okay. Two. So go ahead and and are they going to move over there stealthily? What is the how yeah? Do the they'll other three? they'll move over there stealthily. All right. Go ahead and give me um. We'll just do a group stealth roll for the three of them. So pick whoever you want to lead. I would assume Otar is your leader in this kind of like guiding him on on to stay low and things like that. Yeah. Uh, so go ahead and do a, a stealth check um for Otar and we'll use his as the group stealth check. 15 minus 1, 14. Okay. Um, he, he thinks they're pretty stealthy as they kind of like move about um, every once in a while. Uh, one like steps on a branch, it's kind of dead, but nothing that is exceedingly noticeable from the inside of the cabin. Um, and they all reach the door, kind of staying low. And so all four are at the door. Um, what is the plan? So... Otar is going to um gonna say, alright. Let me try whispering this. Yeah, he's whispering. Okay. Say so, uh gonna say, alright. Saito, why don't you uh kick down the door and I'll go in and I'll Try to intimidate them at first. And then if that doesn't work, you guys come on in and uh, clean up. Okay. So, does Saito agree with this? Saito agrees, yep. Okay, so go ahead and make uh, an attack roll for Saito. Uh, uh, an arm strike. That's a 18 plus 6, 24. Yeah, easily, like, you see Saito, like, swing around, and he's, uh, with kind of this, like, practice balance, he picks up his foot and rears back, and then with all of his, with all the kinetic force he can kind of muster, he shoots out his leg, and it, and it pops the lock on the door, um, and I, it doesn't necessarily need a, a roll for it, he's just kicking the door open. I just want to make sure he didn't roll a one. Um... And so, I assume Otar kind of, like, 
whips himself in. Yeah, he tries to... He makes himself as big as possible, and he whips out his, um... His great axe. Let me make sure that that's what he has. Yeah, he has he has a great axe. Okay. So he pulls out his great axe. He he he's standing there, present, um, as the fork, uh, as the three look to him, and the the fourth turns around, uh, all kind of like confused as to what's going on. And then he shouts, I am Otar Havelock, son of Iron Fist Havelock. I claim this place in the name of my father. I have come to reclaim what has been stolen from the wire. Surrender now, and I may not kill you. Go ahead and give... Give me an intimidation check. <laughs> One plus five, six. All right, so as he comes in, in his mind, he sounded the way you sound. But for some reason, as he was like, my father, his voice kind of cracked in the mind. Father! And it breaks the momentum of his kind of intimidating speech. And uh, even on the outside, like, Otar hears Marina snicker a bit um, as the uh, the four guys kind of just, like, smile and they pull out swords and they're all, like, and they're ready for an encounter. So go ahead and give me, uh, we're going to do initiative real quick. And this is going to be separate from the talking initiative. Uh, so go ahead and uh, give me an initiative check, and I'll go ahead and roll for my bad guys. Marina, 12 plus 1, 13. Okay. Otar, 11 minus 1, 10. Saito, 3 plus 4, 7. Okay. Samuel, three plus three, six. That's a bad start to an encounter. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so, the baddies, my my bandits here, um, turn and look, and um, as they all kind of look around, the room itself is uh, kind of ramshack-esque. Uh, it has no walls. There are There are beds off to the side, but this is about a uh, about a 30 foot by 30 foot cabin that is just bare bones, four walls and a floor. Um, there is of course the hatch in the middle that they're all standing about. They're about 15 feet from you. And the first guy, he comes up and he, he has his sword drawn and he, you know, real quick comes at, at um, Otar and makes two uh, makes a makes a slash at him, and that is a uh, seventeen plus one, so eighteen. Yes. And he takes uh, two points of slashing damage, um, while the other three kind of just wait back after like they see 
Otar and they they heard his voice crack, they're not really thinking of him as an intimidating person that they need to worry about. So what does Marina do now? Marina. She has um she has a short bow and she's gonna go ahead and fire through the doorway at the one that just um tried to cut that just did cut Otar and she's gonna and as she shoots she's gonna say to Otar, she's gonna say Oh, well, maybe you better watch out for yourself now, huh? Okay, uh, so seeing as Otar is a big dude and he's standing in the doorway, you're going to have to make this shot at disadvantage because basically that guy is, like, covered up by Otar. Okay. Uh, so go ahead and uh, give me that roll. Nine plus one, ten. All right, one more time. Two plus one, three. Okay, so as she comes up and she has that snarky response, she pulls back um, her she her knocked arrow and she releases it, um, and it flies by both of their heads. And now suddenly the all the other three guys are um, they they hear the arrow going into the wall and uh, and they're kind of like, what's going on? What's who, and you hear one of them go, who's all there? Who, what's going on? Um, and uh, they are now kind of like in, they are ready for a, for a fight. They're kind of like excited now. Um, next up is Otar. What does he do? All right. Otar, embarrassed by, you know, the his voice cracking and whatnot, he's just going to take a, a side step away from the door, but not out of, you know, combat with the other guy. Um, and he's going to bring back his great axe, and he's going to, he's going to, let's see, he is first, so he's going to get mad, and he's going to go into a rage. Okay. Um, so he gets... Yeah. yeah, so he's in a rage, and what does he do after that? And then he's going to swing his great axe. All right, so go ahead and give me that attack roll. 11 plus 2, 13. All right, that hits. Okay. That is 11, and then because of rage, gets plus 2. Awesome, so... Otar, um, like, after being sliced uh, across the chest, kind of brings back his axe, and he just goes, 
uh, he kind of has this wicked smile on his face, and he's ready, and his eyes burn with this intensity as he rears back, and, uh, like, out of the corner of his eye for a moment, uh, he gives a, a like, a, a dark smile to Marina, who we can see, and he just releases his shot, and the head of the bandit gets cut clean off, um... And at this point, the three other bandits kind of, like, take a step back, um, realizing he might be a young man. He is not anyone's, like, fool. And so uh, they go ahead and they're, they're ready for the attack. Um, they're ready for the onslaught. What does Scythe, is that the end of his turn, or does he move? Yep. Okay. So what does Saito do? Saito is going to run in, and he pulls out a quarterstaff that he has on his back, Okay. and he goes, Woo! It's my turn now, boys. And he's going to double-handed bring that quarterstaff down on the first guy's head. Alrighty, so there are... So, um, for the sake of, of like, location, um, you have uh, the hatch down below, and you have one guy on the left, right, and behind it. Is he going to go for the left, right, or behind? Is he going to, like, try and hop over that hatch? Uh, he'll, he'll hop over that hatch. All right, so he runs through, Saito runs through, hops over the hatch, uh, and he kind of, like, does, like, a, uh, a spinning reversal, so he lands behind the guy... And, um, go ahead and give me an attack roll. Okay. That's a 15 plus 6, 21. Totally hits. Go ahead and roll for damage. Uh, that's 1 plus 4, 5. Alrighty, so, as Saito, uh, comes down with all his strength, he, you see that it hits the guy's, like, shoulder area and you hear a crack and, and the guy is just like <sighs> and he like and he, he get he's about to turn around to face Saito. Um what does Samuel do? Oh uh well does is that the end of Saito's turn? Yes. Alrighty, so what does Samuel do? Samuel is going to He will Eldridge Blast. Alright, so... Guy on the left. Alrighty, so go ahead and, and uh, make an attack roll. Fourteen plus six, dirty twenty. Awesome, yeah, totally hits. That is six points of damage. All right. So, um, as uh, as Saito, or as Samuel kind of like leans in and comes up behind um, Marina, he kind of holds his hand out over her shoulder, and out of the corner of her eye, he sees wisps of her of the water that's kind of like always around her, kind of pull off from her and warp into uh, kind of like a sphere in just the briefest of moments as uh, 
dark green blue energy kind of starts fl- flowing around that and a blast of energy shoots out at the bandit on the left side of the uh, secret entrance as it slams into him and you can see like a kind of like a, a blast mark um, from the impact of, on his clothes and the guy takes <gasps> and he takes a deep breath in um, the bandits it's now the bandits turn and um, the one that was struck by Saito is going to turn around with his uh, sword and he's going to make an attack roll and slice at him. And that is a 13 plus 2. 15? Nope. Nope, doesn't hit. Alrighty. So uh, Saito, seeing him turning around, kind of like jumps back and it misses him completely. Um, the... Bandit on the right-hand side is going to uh, see that, you know, Havelock is in a bit of a rage, and he's going to run up to him and try and make a, a slice on him. And that is a 15 plus 2 for 17. Yes. All right. So that is one point of slashing damage. Divide in half, still one point. Um, as he kind of, like, comes in and... Just like the full rage and anger that he is now kind of in, uh, like, doesn't really register uh, on, like, pain at all for um, Otar. And then finally, the last one who was just struck is going to um, pull out uh, a light crossbow and aim uh, directly outside, seeing Marina, and he's going to uh, shoot at her. And that is a 13 plus 2, so 15? Yes. All right. And so he hits her for three points of damage. All righty. And so that is the end of their turn. Um, Marina, it is now her turn. All right. She's going to um, go in and... The closest one, uh, she's gonna pull out her scimitar and attack with that. All right, so she goes inside, and so now the closest one physically was the one on the right. He's fighting um, Otar, so go ahead and give me an attack roll for him. Uh, 11 plus 3, 14. So that hits. Five plus one, six points of damage. Alrighty, so she comes out and she pulls out her scimitar. And being that she is a water genasi, it's not just a a typical scimitar. This is a beautifully crafted scimitar. It has some intricate designs etched onto the blade as she kind of spins and swirls it for a moment and does this beautiful um, uh, swinging motion and uh, gracefully slashes him straight up. Um, not killing him, but gives him a, a deep gash across his chest. Um, what does Otar do? Otar is going to turn to the one that slashed him mm-hmm. and kind of, <laughs> and he's going to hit him with the great axe. All right. So he goes ahead and makes an attack roll. So one plus two, three. Alrighty, so uh, 
Sorry, it's a natural one. So Otar goes in for uh, a slice, and the the like the recoil of um, of being struck by the scimitar kind of like pushes him back, just as the the axe comes down, and the axe lands directly into the the wood and is now kind of stuck um, inside of the wood as, as Otar is like trying to pull it out. Um, and so that's the end of Otar's turn. Um, what does Saito do? Saito is going to... So he just um, smacked that guy on the collarbone, mm-hmm. uh, breaking it. And so now he's going to... Uh, now that it's right next to his face, he's going to whip it right into the side of his face. Okay, go ahead and make an attack roll. That's a 12 plus 6. That hits. 18. Um, okay. D8. That is 7 plus 4. Alright, so as he, like, he's landed and he, you see him with very practiced uh, skill pull back and slam it into the guy's cheek as uh, that just impact kind of just like hits him just in the right spot for him to just like lose consciousness as he falls over. Um, and is that the end of Saito's turn? Yes. Alrighty, so what is Samuel's next move? Samuel's next move is he is now going to do one more Eldritch Blast. Alrighty, so there okay. is the one that's... Um, Fighting Otar and Marina, and then there's also the one who uh, who he struck before. Who is he going to hit? He's going to do the one that um, just kind of danced away from Otar. Okay. That's a 19 plus 6, 25. Definitely hits. That's 3. Alright, so um, he kind of switch, switches... Uh, Changes his arms, and from his right arm, the same type of thing happens. Um, but this time, water condenses from just around him as that same energy kind of bubbles through and shoots right over the shoulder of Otar as it strikes into the guy. And he kind of like he falls back, takes and uh, falls back onto his butt, and he's like kind of scrambles to get himself back up. But he is looking amazingly hurt. Like that impact really. Almost took it out of him. Um, so now it's the baddie's turn. Uh, the guy who was struck by um, Samuel, he uh, kind of sees what's going on, and he turns to run down the stairs. But as he does, um, Saito is going to get an attack of opportunity if he wants to take it. Yes. Alrighty, go ahead and make an attack roll. 15 plus 6, 21. Hits. Go ahead and... Um, Give me an attack. That's three plus four, seven. All right. So as the guy turns to run, um, he get he starts moving down the stairs. Saito kind of like spins his staff around and smacks the back of his head, which like just hits him at the base and that kind of like just perfectly again, almost as if Saito is like trained to know where to hit people, and he falls unconscious, but since he's going downstairs, his body goes 
and rolls down unconscious. Um, he also takes an additional three points of falling damage as he goes down the stairs. Not that it matters that he's unconscious, but, you know, he's down there now. Um, the other bad guy uh, turns and looks, and uh, uh, after hearing his friend, like, get knocked out, he, he, he knows the situation he's in, and um, he uh, decides to make a book for it, doing the same thing, and he heads down. That gives um, Otar and Marina a chance for an opportunity attack. Who's going to go first? Uh, Otar is. Alrighty, so Otar, go ahead and make that attack roll. And he's doing it unarmed since he can't get his axe. Yeah. That's a six plus two, eight. Does not hit. He kind of like jump, dodges out of the way, and he's keep he's keeps going. So what is uh, Marina gonna do? Marina's gonna go with that scimitar again. 17 plus 3, dirty 20. Totally hits. That's 4 plus 1, 5. Yeah, easily enough. She, uh, as she, uh, again, gracefully pulls her, her sword, she, um, just kind of, like, slashes at his back and in a similar spot, but with a blade, cuts that, uh, cuts very deeply into the guy's neck. And you just see his body for a moment just drop limp. And he falls face first, dead on the ground. Um, And we're going to see where this goes on our next episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. And we'll see where our party gets into as they finish up this uh, encounter and see if they can successfully get out of here. Um, Thank you all for listening. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook. Uh, Spotify, all of that fun stuff. Thank you so much, and we'll catch you next time.